Are you prepared for God's future? Welcome to Apostle of the Future with Apostle Ashley Clater, where we discuss doctrinal myths versus truths, biblical facts, and much more. What does the Word of God say about drinking, intoxication, sobriety? So tell your friends. We are going to go in on this subject, hammer it, face off with it. So good morning to all of you who are joining. Um, it's it, drinking and should Christians drink and are we allowed to drink and all those questions that we uh, float around and we deal with as saints. What is the word of God really saying about that? Does it even address it? Because uh, I'm, I'm going to say what I said even last week in talking about judging and in previous weeks, the last person that we defend is God. We want to defend ourselves, our liberties, our freedom. We take a very, a very much an American perspective on addressing the word of God and what he says in our Christianity. We start with, I have rights, don't we? Okay. So I want to hear from you and what your thoughts are, maybe what you've been taught, what you've been raised to believe about drinking alcohol being consumed with alcohol. Is it okay? The Lord will forgive. Okay, all these things. But what what you believe versus what the word says, this is also what we're going to get into today. You know, I like to teach an apostle of the future. So we're going to have scriptures. We're going to have definitions. I want to have dialogue here for you to hear from you about your thoughts or your experience or your knowledge of the word on the subject of drinking. As you can see, I love this picture uh, that I found in my editing uh, marketing media program with the uh, alcohol and the chain to the hand. I found it very interesting when I looked up alcohol just in that to find pictures. A lot of the pictures were people being wrecked by alcohol. I thought I would find a lot of pictures of people at the bar and at parties. And that was there. It was there. But a lot of the pictures were about people like, what am I doing with my life and stumbling around and massive headaches and and several pictures of people being chained to the bottle and uh, their life being chained up by alcohol. Okay, Aaron Lee says it's a no, no. Okay. Let's see, Dominic, realizing that what he says was okay to be offered in the temple is not sin. Hmm. Hey, Veronica. Yes, this is going to be good. So many thinking that it is okay. Yeah, we're going to talk about, and really, we might. this might be part one, because we might go deeper in this maybe next week on more scripture references. Is it cut and dry? No alcohol shall ever enter into your body. Are there special circumstances? listed in the word. What are the context of those special circumstances? If it is, I'm going to say this because this is what we say. This is how we teach here. We tend to read the word based on how we are taught the word, not really based on what it says. What a, One of the things I love about Dr. Price is she'll say in a minute, don't take my word for it. Find it, re research. I mean, that's why she has all of this information for us on the screen so that we know where her research is coming from. The context is coming from. And so today we're going to probably skate the surface on what is what it means to be intoxicated because we call it intoxicated 
toxics, toxicity. I mean, there are answers in our everyday language to tell us what we really should and shouldn't be doing. Let's see. And Yada said growing up, it was said that it kills the worms, but, but we were never to be drunk. Oh yeah. Medicinal. So medicinal wine, medicinal medicine. That's in scripture. Paul, I believe was dealing with Timothy about him telling him, you need to take this medicinal wine because he wasn't drinking anything and he needed it medicinally. There is a thing called medicinal wine. So this is what I'm talking about. We're going to take the hard ax off of this and peel it back and roll it back to see what the word of God says. And so today we're going to deal with what it means to be intoxicated, what it means to be sober by definition, what fermentation actually means, and then what scripture says about drunkenness and what scripture says about being sober minded <coughs> and about leaders being drunk and being sober. Because see, what might be okay for sheep might not be okay for leaders. Um, Sorry, something in my mouth. And we need to know the difference between the two. Again, going through the word let's comb through it let's stop being reactionary about what we hear people say or what we want to be true sipping my water not alcohol okay okay so let's go to drink or not to drink what does the bible say not what does my pastor say my leader say what my friend what my family believes works for them personally we will tend to take a personal approach uh, whenever it's something that we really want to be able to do um, again like i said before many times we'll start off with uh, these are my rights as a christian as a citizen we we act like we are u.s citizens when it comes to being in the kingdom of god well i have rights too i have the right to have alcohol anytime i want to i have the right because Jesus came to set me free. Um, okay. He actually came to set you free from these things and not to these things, to be bound to them. And so this is why we might address this more than one week because it's it's interwoven. So today it's alcohol, but it could be any other addiction or anything that you're dealing with or that can become an addiction. There are people who are like, well, I mean, I can drink it, but I'm not addicted. This is not even just talking about that what it does to your mind, what it does to your body, what it does to your soul, all of these other factors. It's like people who take, you know, drugs just recreationally. I mean, I just do recreationally. Oh, okay. Okay. So we're going to address toxic because we say someone is intoxicated. What's their level of toxicity? What's their blood alcohol ratio of how much alcohol is in their blood? How much has been absorbed into their body? I encourage you to study the effects of alcohol on the body. It is crazy what it can do to a human being from the inside out over time. I was in, I remember being in college, my first college, which was not ORU and uh, knew a young guy who was in a fraternity. I was in a sorority at that time. Hey, I didn't know any better. All right. And um, really nice guy, really nice guy. And he was a functional alcoholic. And at probably, I'm thinking I was a freshman and he may have been a senior. So he was like 20, 21 years old. And he said that his uncles had been feeding him alcohol since he was like 10 or 11. And so he was always concerned whenever he would drink 
because his tolerance was so high, he could be poisoning himself with alcohol and didn't know it because he could just hammer it back, hammer it back. We we're having a whole conversation. He was telling me how much he had already had to drink that day. And I thought, how are you standing up much less looking and acting completely sober? And he said, the, the amount of alcohol I have to drink to feel the effects of drunkenness, he said, is really scary. And so he, he was like, I drink because it's what I do, but it really has no effect on that on me like that anymore. And he was very concerned at 20, 21 years old to be at that state. And he kind of laughed it off and uh, I wonder what my liver looks like. And I'm thinking, yeah, I wonder what your liver looks like too. And, and it was crazy. But so in tox toxic, let me make this bigger here as we go through our definitions. Toxic means poisoned, poisoned for use of arrows to run, flee, organic poison. So when we are talking about being intoxicated, it means that you are being poisoned by something. Uh, whenever they would poison the tips of the arrows, it was a warfare tactic. Poisoning your enemy is a warfare tactic to obviously kill them, to weaken them, to distract them, to take them out from afar. When you poison arrows, you're shooting arrows. You're not running up on somebody with a blade. You are shooting at them. And so when you think about alcohol and being intoxicated, the toxicity, toxic, toxics is uh, to, to really poison you from afar, to poison you subtly. You just think, oh man, I got I got stuck with this thing. And then really, so it's kind of like if the arrow doesn't kill you, the poison will. So being intoxicated, being drunk, taking in toxins is to poison you. You are poisoning, which is why people can die from alcohol poisoning. Some people fed infants alcohol to have them sleep. Oh my goodness, that's priest. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Some people give the little babies a little sip of something. Now they give them a little cough syrup, a little whatever to knock them out. Okay, so this is toxic. Now going to our next definition here. Alcohol. Alcohol is the intoxicating ingredient in strong liquor, the intoxicating element in fermented liquor. So we're talking again alcohol is the toxic element in these drinks it's what makes them toxic and and so we uh want to talk about it maybe next time we'll actually talk about the biology what happens to you biologically so you say you're drunk like what happens in the body to get you to that state because you can sober up if something is happening I, i've seen people snap out of drunkenness when a friend passes out on the floor or uh when it looks like a car accident is about to happen or something like that because they can get their right mind back but alcohol is that it is the intoxicating ingredient so when we're saying you have the right to drink you have the right to take in alcohol then you're saying i have the right to toxify myself now in about apostle the future we always want to be thinking about why did God say that was an issue? Why did he say it was a problem? That's what we don't want to talk about. When, when we see and read that God says, don't do something, we go straight religious. These people, you're just religious. You're just hard hearted. You're just steely will. You're just whatever. Why did God say it was an issue? Let's talk about the fact that you don't care what God has a problem with as a Christian. 
do 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 it's like being married to somebody and they don't care that you can't stand something very annoying very annoying very frustrating when you are in a relationship a friendship somebody in your family who does not care when you have an issue with something and they do it anyway and they throw it in your face now i'm not talking about something like they don't drink coffee and you do okay and you're like man i just can't stand coffee okay well i'm not gonna have you drink it whatever or or maybe they don't like chocolate and you like chocolate i'm not talking about a preference see we have brought things down to preferential treatment we have preferential holiness if you will where we want to i will be holy it one of the things i prefer to be holy and i will be free on the things that I want to be free because to us, holiness is changed. See, to us, holiness is the picture that I just had up with the, the hand on the, the alcohol bottle. To us, this is holiness. To us, is a chain. It's a shackle. Oh my goodness, I have to be holy. Oh, that's just terrible. It's awful. Oh, and God is like, yes, I want you to be holy in your right mind. I want you to be holy sober. I want you to be holy clean. I want you to walk through your life not worrying if you have an STD. Oh, I just, I just don't understand. How can anybody wait to get married to have sex? I just don't know how you could do that. Oh, it's just unreasonable. The Lord is like, I, I prefer that you live your life not dying of a disease that you got because you didn't want to wait. So we have taken this whole, again, I have rights. I'm an American God. I have rights. I can pick and choose when I want to do whatever. And we cherry pick holiness. We have this preferential holiness of what we prefer and what we don't prefer is how we lead and govern our lives. And then we say something like, well, you know, me and me and God are okay. Me and Jesus are okay. Our relationship is fine. He still loves me. And so it's okay if I do this. Has anybody heard that? You can put your emoji hand up if you've heard that. All right. Hey, Prophet Dwayne, holiness is freedom. I want you to know. Yes. And that is the truth. Yes, P.I.T. Rachel, my God, preferential holiness. We're going to prefer it. Holiness is freedom. And I'm so glad you said that because once see if you've never been bound by something then you're gonna fight for your bondage you're gonna you're gonna fight if if that thing if you don't want to be free you're gonna fight for your bondage or if you have not been bound by it then you're going to fight for it because you don't know what it is to be consumed by something to the point of it destroying your life so when god says what he what he wants us to do what we should do what we should not do what is sin what is not sin he is letting us know the things that are going to condemn us versus the things that are going to bring life or at the very least preserve holiness is a preservative preservation lifestyle that's what it is you are preserving yourself when you don't whore around. You are preserving yourself when you're not addicted to X, Y, Z. You are preserving yourself whenever you're not eating yourself with so much sugar that you can't think straight. You are preserving yourself when you don't go certain places, we are, when you're not cursing and using so much profanity, when you're not smoking. These are preservation tactics, people, preservation. Be holy as I am holy. I am the way, the truth, and the life. These are the ways that lead unto life. The others are the ways that lead unto death. It's really just that simple with God. I mean, we have made this about our feelings. We have made this about, uh, you know, my rights. Like I said, we have made this about you're just so heavy handed and you're just so whatever. And anytime somebody has a stance of what they believe, all of a sudden they're religious. And God is like, what? Listen, here's the Lord. 
I'm leaning in. Here's the Lord. The Lord is like this. If you want long life, live like this. If you want to see me on the other side of your life, live like this. You want to possibly have a shorter life? Live like that. If you don't want to see me on the other side of this life, live like that. I said before you death and life. Choose life and you may live. See, it, it's so it's right there with God. We have made it about this big bad God in the sky and he just doesn't want us to have fun and he just doesn't want us to do whatever and he just doesn't want and he just doesn't want. You could tell that is the most satanic doctrinal belief system on the planet against the church is that all of this is because God is a mean God. And he's like, I'm trying to tell you how to live right. Anybody who has been addicted to anything and God set them free, they know their life was terrible under that addiction. Horrible. Now, they may have been in a job where they were making bank. Maybe they were living some kind of high life. But in here, what does it profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul? All throughout scripture, the word of God is telling us that I'm telling you how to live and how to live more abundantly, how to have life and have it more abundantly. With God, everything is about life and death, holiness and unholiness, righteousness and unrighteousness. It all ties to life and death because he knows that sin is exceedingly sinful. And he knows that when he shut everything down under sin, after the sin, the original sin in the garden, which followed the original sin in heaven with Lucifer, he knew what he did. He knew what he did to us. He knew what he did to humanity. He knew what he did to the earth. When he cursed the ground, he knew what he was doing. And so every time we eat something from the ground, it is cursed. That's why whether you are a vegetarian or you're not, your vegetables still come from the ground. The ground is still dying. The ground was cursed, not just animals, the ground, water, everything that comes out of the ground was cursed. So <clears throat> when we're talking about after the flood, it was like what God said to mankind before the flood and what he said after the flood of how they should eat. <coughs> Two different things. First of all, we had to start doing population control on these animals because they were starting to eat us. And that was not the case before. All right, let's see, Shauna, what are you saying? That's right, one of God, it all dulls the senses, numbs the will. It certainly does. Thank you for tuning in. Absolutely, it does. Because you, and we're going to get to sober-minded in a minute, but I just wanted to roll this out here so we can address how we got here as a church. Like, how is it that we have people calling themselves Christians, being Christians, but defending the works of Satan? Defending the works of darkness, championing his cause calling God's staff devils and fighting out there on the picket lines for what Satan wants. I mean, this was a very, very, very clever tactic because honestly, the best way to take somebody out is from the inside out. That way you can't really tell who's the culprit. And when something is locked up as tight as the church is, you have to infiltrate, you have to get in it. Paul talked about that. How, uh, subdiffusion coming under the veil of night and all this other stuff people are trying to spy out their liberty okay so fermentation fermentation this is not the firmament 
as in the heavens. This is to be fermented. Just want to make that difference plain. Fermentation, the chemical breakdown of a substance by bacteria, yeasts, or other microorganisms, typically involving effervescence and the giving off of heat. The process of fermentation involved in the making of beer, wine, and liquor in which sugars are converted to ethyl alcohol. So this is where we are. Ethyl alcohol, converting sugar to alcohol is the fermentation process in the booze that people drink. This is why when you drink a lot, you get fat because there's a lot of sugar in alcohol. Now in food, there are sugar alcohols. And sugar alcohols, I can't eat a lot of things with those because it messes with my stomach. And in healthy things, um, it'll be in there. But this is that ethyl alcohol, sugar converting to alcohol, which is why, again, when people drink a lot, they tend to gain weight because it's sugar, 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 calories, 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 along with all the toxicity that's going on. <clears throat> okay. And so we're going to, let's see, how did the church get there? Yeah, this is, that's. That's a nice long uh, answer. Okay, so let's see. What does the word say about drunkenness? I want you to do research in your own time. Just Google what does the Bible say about drunkenness? That's all you have to put. You're going to see all these scriptures. And then you can put uh, where is drinking in the Bible? Because then it'll give examples of maybe other people being drunk all the way back to Noah being drunk after the flood. And his son coming in and looking at his nakedness, all that homosexuality still back then. Okay, so the word, what, what the word says about drunkenness. Now, this is Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. I, I, listen, let me just pause right here. <laughs> the works of the flesh are evident. This is evidence of carnality. So whenever we see these kind of things happening, this is the work of works of the flesh. They're evident. We we walk around. Don't we say this? Haven't we heard this? Maybe you've said it. Who are you to say? Going back to last week, you can't judge me. But the word of God says, and I will make it larger, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication. Just so we're clear, adultery and fornication are there having sex with somebody you're not married to, whether you're married or not. They're both listed at the top of the list. Okay, uncleanness. There's a lot included in uncleanness. Lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred. Hatred? Hatred is listed as a work of the flesh. Contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, those hot-tempered people selfish ambitions the uh, the saints who will step on anybody's neck to get a promotion that's listed as a work of the flesh that's evident and it's listed with some very interesting things as well okay uh wrath selfish ambitions dissensions heresies envy murders drunkenness right after murder revelries and the like of which i tell you beforehand just as i told you in time past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We make everything about going to heaven and hell. Some scriptures say you won't see God when you do certain things and, and you will see God. 
Some things say that you'll be your name will be blotted out, blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. This passage says that you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so there's all these little nuances and punishments for these crimes against Jesus Christ. Last week, we talked about crimes against Christ. We, we know about crimes against humanity. I mean, I'm like, abortion is like the biggest crime against humanity you can possibly think of. And so crimes against Christ, these are the ones that he is telling you now, this is going to cost you something in eternity. We want our works to stay here. And in many ways, our works, like our possessions, you can't take them with you. But what you do here does not only determine where you go in your final destination, but what you receive in your final destination, apparently. So this is, you will not inherit the, inherit the kingdom of God. There are so many nuances in scripture that tell you cause and effect, cause and effect, positive, negative, death, life, righteous, unrighteous, forgiveness, unforgiveness. It is all in scripture. And it is mapped out for us, but we've got to take the time to read it. Take the time to read it. Okay. And let me tell you something. If you have young people, if you're over a youth ministry, just play this for them. You don't have to explain it to them if, if you can or if you don't want to. Just play this broadcast and say, we're going to watch this and we're going to talk about this and we're going to address what culture tells you, what society tells you, what your parents might be telling you, what your pastor might be telling you, and what the word of God actually says on this subject. We've got to study. We have to research. I mean, as a family growing up and when in my younger years, my mom was a single mom and we had devotions around our kitchen table. King James, King James Bible, King James uh, Bible study booklet, that we use daily devotions. And so we went through that word. You cannot, these kids, come on, look, we want to say that there's a version of the Bible that's so hard. These kids are figuring out smart technology. You can put anything in front of them and they will say, oh, I can figure that out. Oh, I can. But when it comes to the word, we're like, oh no, well, that's just too complicated. We have kids learning two and three languages in school. And we can't teach them the word of God. Come on, guys. Okay, so this is the word about drunkenness in Galatians. That's Galatians 5, 19 through 21. And here we go. Ephesians 5 uh, is what is it about the fifth uh, chapter in these books here? It says, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now, it's important to have this up here. And I was reading this in context because it's setting you up. It sets us up for why he is saying this. Why is this in scripture? Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Oh, that is a powerful statement. Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. This is the setup statement to this scripture about drunkenness, understanding the will of God. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart 
to the Lord, not to yourself, not to anybody else, any other God, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now, listen, there are so many things in this passage that people would light their hair on fire about from not being drunk with wine. We're going to talk about what dissipation means um, in a second. Speaking in other hand, okay, in other songs, giving thanks always to God. Listen, we don't want to submit to anybody and we don't even want to talk about the fear of God. Thank you for listening to the Apostle of the Future podcast. If you like what you heard today, visit ashleyc.ministries.com for more information. Follow me on Facebook at Apostle of the Future or YouTube at Dr. Ashley. See you next time. Rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen.